Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. There's kind of a fresh anointing on, on bringing your Bible to church. I started feeling a stirring a couple weeks ago. I've got like, I don't know, 30 Bibles maybe, but this is one that I'm really kind of enjoying because it's, it's got these large margins in it that you can write in, and I love writing in my Bible. So, um, you know, uh, make an investment. Look at a good Bible. It's going to cost you 50 to 100 bucks if you want a little leather one like this, 120 maybe. But uh, boy, they really endure. I still have my grandfather's Bible, my mother's Bible, my father's Bible. It's pretty amazing to pull them out and look at their notes. You know, you can tell a lot about a person you may not have known well. My grandparents, uh, I didn't know real well. I knew pretty well, but not real well. But I want to look at my grandfather's Bible and see the things he underlined. How many of you know that's like a revelation of a person's life when they really underline something and put little arrows in the margin? Okay, he must have been going through something there, you know. And uh, uh, having the Word of God with you uh, purposely, intentionally, may cause you to read this thing more. This is a massive key to life, this Bible. This is not Jesus This is the words of Jesus and the revelation of Jesus throughout history. And when you read it, it goes into your very spirit, animates it, regenerates your very soul, and uh, you're going to live the life that God's called you to live here on earth. Open your Bibles if you could, or on your computer, or on your Facebook, or on your um, smartphone, sorry, on your smartphone. And let's look at, uh, we're going to go first of all to, I think we're going to go... Well, let's go to, I'm going to mention a few verses, but we're going to go to Acts 3. So go to Acts 3. And I want to talk a little bit about, of course, this entire year, we're focusing on flourishing. Let me just tell you how I'm approaching my, uh, my year. I'm approaching my year that everything I encounter, I'm anticipating flourishing. Everything. Financially, healing, every area of my life, relationally, friendships, all that kind of stuff. I'm believing for favor. I'm believing that my life will flourish. I'm believing that fruit will be born, but more than anything else, I'm believing for souls to be saved through me this year. And each one of us here saying, you know what? I'm going to lean into the Lord. Someone told me today the Jehovah's Witnesses came to their door. You know, I think they blacklisted me. They don't come to my door anymore, but they used to. They used to. Uh, But when they come, talk to them. Let the Spirit of God enter into that relationship. You have an opportunity to touch someone. Is Is the lady from the coffee shop in Medina here today? Are you here? I don't want to miss you if you're here. Raise your hand if you're here. Okay, we got to minister to a young lady at the coffee shop out of Medina the other day, I mean, the Spirit of God was on it just by, uh, Mickey was with me, Mickey Robinson, and just by mentioning something to her, opened a key door, and she, she wrote down our address and everything else. I anticipate she'll pop in here uh, someday soon. And uh, the Lord is just moving upon her. I'm telling you, everywhere around us right now, God is moving. I'll share with you a little bit about that in a few minutes. So we're going to continue to talk about flourishing, and today I want to talk about the Word Believed and spoken. I might get to even a third part. Did you know that you need to, you need to believe the word of God? And, and the way you believe the word of God is by, by hearing it. That's why we preach. I think that's why God uses preaching 
is because preaching, when it hits an open heart, now Jesus talked about this. I think I mentioned this earlier this week, but Jesus talked about it. Think about this. The word of God, when it's spoken or when it's read, when it comes into your hearing, it produces faith. It stirs you. It's like, I think I believe that. When you do that, you've just opened a gateway to heaven and all of the kingdom of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I talked about that last week. When you believe, it opens the door. But when you confess it, it's like a, it's like a creedal step. It's like not only believe it, I'm confessing it. That's so why when you get a word of God and you, you, you believing for healing for your physical body, it's important to begin to confess it. It's important to say, in, uh, by the way, the first person you've got to inform about the belief is yourself. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you got to go up to a mirror and say, God is going to use you in a powerful way. You. In the mirror. Sometimes I preach to myself in the mirror. It's only when Cindy's not home. We got a huge mirror in our bedroom, you know, just check as you're going out the door kind of a thing. I stand in front of that. I speak to it. I declare things over me. I, you know, if I'm discouraged or I'm, I'm you know, wanting to quit or whatever's going on in my life, you know, I say, you, you know, I remind them. I remind them. And sometimes you have to remind yourself what God has said over your life in times of discouragement. And if you're not in the word of God and you're not studying the word of God, you're going to have a low pressure, a low level well in your soul that will not spring up like normal. But if you fill your spirit, fill your spirit with the word of God, fill your spirit with what the understanding of the Holy Spirit is in times of need, you can prophesy over yourself. In fact, it was a common greeting in the New Testament among Christians to quote a verse that eventually was in 3 John 2, which says this, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Imagine if we greeted each other that way. Hey, brother, hey, sister. I pray, you know, we say right now, you know, I pray that you might prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. When the soul begins to prosper, something happens on the outside of your soul. Your world begins to change around you. What a fun time it is when you move and walk in the Spirit of God. I talked about it a lot last week. Last week, if you weren't here last week, you need to watch that video. Go on YouTube and watch it because I talked about what it means to walk in the Spirit. And this, this week, I want to talk about the Word of God and the power of the Word of God when you get it in you, that you believe it, it begins to transition your life for something that God has prophesied over you about your future. Let me just prophesy over you now. Your future is good in Christ Jesus. Your future is magnificent in Christ Jesus. That he created you for good works in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself, it says in the book of Acts, went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He's our guide. He's our rabbi. We follow Jesus. We follow the dust of his sandals. We are right behind him. We are mimicking. We are learning what he does. We are watching what he does. Jesus said, learn of me. And so as a church, we're learning of him in many, many different ways. 
And we're, we're, we're believing for God to continue to transform us into the very image of Jesus Christ. Even our personalities be shaped in a different way. God's working on us, and he will be until the day we die. And so we confess over one another, we confess over ourselves, but there comes a time you need to get out of yourself and begin to declare your life on a daily basis, even on an hourly basis, sometimes on a minute-by-minute basis. You know, Mickey came and and preached a powerful message after each of the films we watched Friday and Saturday, if you heard him. Mickey was in a plane crash here in Brunswick in 1968. He told me the story, five of them. He was a professional uh, skydiver. He'd been up for, I don't know, a bunch of times. He, he became a professional after 20 jumps. He'd been up like, a, I don't know, hundreds of times, something like that. So they were going up routinely. They pulled the uh, seats out so that they could fit more people in. They had the limit. I mean, it wasn't over-limited, but they, you know, they were just, they were in there. It was a little Cessna right here in Brunswick Airport which yes, there was a Brunswick airport over in substation. And yes, I did fly out of it several times. And yes, you probably wouldn't want to do that again. But anyway, he was flying out of there. He was sitting on the floor. They took out the uh, co-pilot seat. They were with a pilot, professional guy. They'd been up with him many times. They had their own little company where they took people up. They would go up to like, I don't know, I think 4,000 and 8,000 feet and drop off people according to their training and, and where they were in their training. And then he would go up to uh, way up, so, you know, eight or 10,000, something like that. And they would do free falling and jump out. So it was a routine day for them. They're all excited about it and everything. The plane takes off and uh, they had to switch out to a different plane because the one plane they had was in service and, and uh, the pilot uh, overreacted to the uh, pulling back of the, the stick to, to ascend. And when he did, it it clipped a tree, and they dove straight into the ground. And uh, Mickey's face was plunged into the uh, instrument panel, and the, the right wing was full of gasoline. It, it broke open and flooded in on uh, the one side of his body. He caught on fire. He said all he can really remember was doing this and trying to get the flames to stop. He couldn't get his door open. His pilot next to him was totally on fire and died from that flight. And then there were three uh, younger people behind him. They got out. They dragged Mickey out, rolled him in the dirt. So Mickey comes as somebody. It's like he has a, a, a line right down his body. One side's burned. One side is, is, looks normal as to he'd normally be. And that was when he was, uh, I think, 20 years old. He's very young. And so it was kind of interesting him coming here, you know, in Brunswick where this happened. I've known him for 40 years. And uh, he's from the Cleveland area, lives in Nashville now. But he's telling his story a little bit. It's so powerful, you know. But even before he came, he did a PET scan, had to do a PET scan because there's some stuff going on in his body. And I, I watched the quality of the person. I thought, you know, this is what we want. We want a people that have been through the fire, come out on the other side. I mean, you can't imagine the difficulties that that presented for the rest of his life. He's now 73 years old, something like that, 73. But I tell you, that man is fearless. And when I talk to him, I just think, Lord Jesus, make me like Mickey. I'm the road to make, make, making me like Jesus. Make me like Mickey, Lord, because to be able to stand in the midst of that, and, and I know this for, for a fact, when you, when you get a PET scan, I've had many of them, when you get a PET scan, the days between the PET scan and when you get the results can be hell on earth. It's like a battlefield that you face ahead of time. If you have not been in the Word of God and you're not confessing what He's speaking over your life, you could be crushed in the midst of that. 
Now, that's just one example. You might get laid off. You might get fired. Something might happen with your house or whatever, your family or whatever. There is always a period of time where you then are sent into a valley of a shadow of death. But the Lord says in Psalm 23, I will be with you in that valley of the shadow of death. In fact, he's already in your future preparing a banqueting table in the presence of your enemies. I like that. And so you live knowing that you're walking through a valley of a shadow of death, but you're keeping your eyes on the banquet that is in front of you because the Lord then promises you two angels, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's hope in Jesus Christ, eternal hope in Jesus Christ. And I see his fingerprints all the time in my life and in the lives of others. I mean, thank the Lord for Kevin and April and this amazing story. There's so many of those. It's, those, are just, those are just beginnings of something amazing that's happening in our midst as a church, you know. But even this week, I mean, you know, you, you were here last week. You heard my sermon, hopefully. You weren't playing Candy Crush or something like that on your phone, you know. But in my sermon, I talked about some things and I didn't really think much about it afterwards. You know, once I preach, I go on and begin to think about future things and where I'm going and Thursday night, uh, uh, a guy who was, uh, Jeff Snyder, he's a, he's a guy who was one of our first official worship leaders. How many of you remember him? That's way back, so there's going to be a few claps there, because uh, this is probably 20 years ago, you know. Uh, he, uh, he sent, I, we don't talk very often, I think last time I, I talked, it's almost always text, I think it was about two years ago. So probably about five times in the past 20 years, we've communicated, he's in Tennessee, he's with other groups, you know. Uh, but he came and really helped us out in a key time of need. And so he, he sends me this email this week, and it says this. I'm going to read it to you because I think it's pertinent. This is the way the Lord works. I trust this guy. I've known him for a long time. I do not doubt his word at all. But he said this, the Lord woke me up last night. So this would be, I think, uh, Wednesday night, woke him up and asked me to pray for you. And I'm like, oh, oh okay, that's nice, you know. As I was praying, he reminded me of a time when the imperial song, Praise the Lord, I believe that was the one, was used by God to dramatically encourage you and lift you up out of the pit. Now, this guy's a musician. He knows music. And so he's remembering back on that, and I have talked to him since then. He said, God said that an angel was released to bring you that song at that time. So that was 1984. It was actually January, February, 1984. Probably right about now, oddly enough. 29 years ago, whatever it was, 39 years ago. Wow, whew. Math gets harder as you get older. <laughs> I believe he said, he said he's really, he said, so he's saying that an angel was released in that song to me at that time. He says, I believe he said, this is during his night of prayer, I believe he said he's releasing the same angel to you now a second time. And honestly, I don't even know what that means for you today, but it, it was an unusual prayer time that night, so I didn't want to just dismiss it. I hope it comes as an encouragement. Love you and Cindy and the whole family. And so I, I, if you weren't here last Sunday, I got in the middle of the whole thing, and uh, I talked about this song in 1984 that I, I said, I'm not going to sing it. I'll just give you the words, but I couldn't help but sing some of it. You know, when you're up against a struggle that shatters all of your dreams, that song by the Imperials way back in 1979 that was popular in Christian circles, and it builds up to this chorus, praise the Lord, praise the 
praise the Lord. It goes on and on. When I was a brokenness, I was in the deepest depression of my life. I went home, I put that record on. I put that record on, it spun, and it, it, it brought me out of depression. It was a declaration. It changed my confession. It changed my view. It changed what I was speaking. And from that point on, I was totally restored. So to me, it was a nod, nod, wink, wink uh, Thursday morning when he, he sends this to me. And I said, Jeff, I have to ask you this, but did you hear my message last Sunday? He said, no, why? I said, I, I mentioned that Sunday. I don't even remember. I, in fact, I checked. I think I mentioned it briefly in 2018. I have all my sermons online and I, I go back and I check to make sure I don't repeat illustrations too often if they're a foundational, strong illustration. And he said, no, no, I didn't hear that, but we're, I'll, I'll listen to it though, you know, and, and I believe him, I trust him. So if you believe that, which you're gonna have to kind of get into that arena in the future, where you start believing that what people says, say is what really happened. I know it's hard in this culture right now where there's mistrust for government, there's mistrust for leadership, I tell you, the Holy Spirit's gonna start shifting that where you're gonna believe what people say. It's gonna start, you'll know it's the word of the Lord because it, it jumps in your heart. It stirs and you witness it as being true. Because you believe it, you speak it. And by the way, the next step is you do it. You do it. You get your legs moving in the direction the Lord does it. So let's look at scripture here real quick. In, uh, uh, it's just the nature of God, by the way. I mean, he's into abundance. He's into flourishing. He wants us here to have a shift. If you watched the movie the other night, you would understand this, but he wants us to have a shift of mentalities and judgments. What would you do? I know all of you are going to say, oh, this is great. Well, yeah, we want to do that. It'll be great. Of course, of course, of course, until it happens. What will happen, though, what if you show up late on a Sunday morning? Let's just say that happens at Bethel Cleveland. If you showed up late, you got your coffee, you chat a little bit out, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to customize my worship time here, and I'm going to go in a little bit late, you know. I was up late last night, chat with my friend out here in the lobby. There's nothing wrong with that, but then you come in, and someone is in your seat. In fact, it's packed out. They go, sorry, uh, you don't have to, you mind sitting out in the lobby? Wait, wait, no. Well, I've been going here for 10 years. Well, we saw a little bit of that in the, in, the, in the film the other night. All of a sudden, now you're realizing, whoa, God is moving in abundance. He's breathing. Here's the thing. When he, we do our thing according to the word of God, kingdom of God, and we see fruit from it. When the spirit of God comes in a revival, in a restoration, in a reformation, in a renaissance and a whole lot of rees and all these things come back. When it comes back in that power, all of a sudden everything blows up. Now we see this all throughout scripture. I'm amazed we don't believe it more often. But think about it, the abundance of manna. They had more than enough manna. They gathered what they could have every day and they, they said if they, you know, the stuff that was on the ground would disappear later. The sun would come up in strength and the manna would disappear. I mean, every day they'd go out and pick up bread. And there was all they could get, you know. And even on, before the Sabbath, the Lord said, we'll gather up twice as much on the Sabbath. So we're talking about fields of bread, potential bread, manna. More than enough. In fact, the stuff they didn't eat just faded away. There'll be more tomorrow. Don't worry about it. That's God. He's, a, he's calling them to go to a land flowing with milk and honey, not dripping, flowing with milk and honey. He overdoes everything. One of his names is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. 
My favorite is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. He's more than enough. He loves doing more. Everyone say more. Everyone say more for me. I don't like to be too, too central in our lives, you know, but it's like, Lord, help me get the more. Help me understand the more. Help me get out of a poverty mentality and begin to believe that God's got some amazing opportunities for my life. He fills all the vessels with oil. Every vessel that the widow brought, he filled with oil in the Bible. He overdoes stuff, especially food. Now, I'm not talking about eating it. I'm talking about providing it. He overdoes everything. He multiplied loaves and fishes so there were 12 baskets left over. He had, when they ran out of wine at the wedding, he turned water into wine and they say that it was the best wine of the day. And a boat was sinking because he told them to throw the net on the other side and so many fish came in that the nets were breaking and the boats were sinking. This is the kind of God that we serve. And he said to you, he said, Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he comes, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers, not streams, not a garden hose. Rivers of living, not kind of just waking up. Living water will flow out of you. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God in you is more than enough for every situation you face. And so in Ephesians chapter 3, it says this, and we're going to get to Acts. Ephesians 3, it says this, Paul's speaking one of his prayers, and he says, now to him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all, this does this not sound extreme. Why didn't he just say, hey, there's a God who's able to do everything you need him to do. It would have been suffice. But Paul is in prison, in chains when he writes this, and he says, now, to him, here's what my theory is. I think when he started to write this, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he got carried away. I think he probably said, you know, and to him who is able to exceedingly, whew, abundantly, whoa, above all that we ask or even imagine according to the power that works in us. If that was the only verse we had in the Bible, we would have enough to get up every day and to go do what God's called us to do because it's exceedingly, it's abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. That's what's offered to you. Now, how many believers take a oh, hold of that? I don't know. During a revival, everyone does. During a time like this, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's just not been true in my life. And I have a few little doubts and everything to get into the Word of God. If you want to drive out doubt, begin to study the Word of God. It will drive out doubt, and it will be, build faith in your soul. Now, here we are, Acts chapter 3. I hope you're there by now. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, this is Peter, speaking on the day of Pentecost. Verse 19. Repent, therefore, that you may be converted. That's the first step. And By the way, you come into the kingdom by hearing the Word of God. That creates faith. You believe. When you believe, you receive, and you begin to confess. In fact, typically, we put the confession with the belief. If you raise your hand and say, I want to know Jesus Christ, you go, okay, say this. We get you right off the bat saying something, Lord Jesus, you know, I'm a sinner. I'm away from you, but I invite you into my heart. We have people repeat it because we're giving, getting them into a culture of confessing things, as it says in Romans, that are not as though they were. 
You've got to learn to speak, not out of your circumstances, not out of what you're feeling. I love what April shared up here. She said, I didn't really feel anything happening, but I begin to believe. That's it. It's not about emotion. I love emotion. Emotion comes with it many times, but it's actually not about how much you weep or cry or anything. It's about the connection between your heart with God. When you connect with your heart with God and you speak that out, there's a dynamic that releases the power of God. So here it says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Why? So that times of refreshing, let's all say that, times of refreshing. It's what we're having right now. There's a time of refreshing. Did you notice this morning with worship, first few songs, it's kind of like you're, you know, you're, you're remembering where you are and what we're doing and you're kind of getting into the mode and trying to focus on we're in worship, you know, and you're thinking some of the guys might be thinking about, you know, Eagles and Chiefs or something, I don't know. And, uh, you know, I, th I think it's going to be the Chiefs, but anyway, it's, it's another point. But anyway, in the midst of that, when times, the time of refreshing came in, honestly, when Kevin began to run around the room, like, because he was like, he's like the lightning rod in the room today. And apparently lightning hit him. And he was running from it or toward it, I'm not sure, but, but he ran around the room. But when he did, it started stirring faith because people that looked at him, you could think, who's that crazy guy running around the room? Or, or when you hear the story, you're like, whoa, that's the crazy guy that's running around the room. That's pretty amazing. He's, he's been in a dreadful time with his wife for several years now with Lyme's disease that, that there's just nothing they can really do but try to mitigate it here and there. And all of a sudden, instantly, she's able to look into these bright lights. That's the power of the Spirit of God. So he released some. What is that? It's a time. I love this. I love this phrase. A time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, get this, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive into a time of restoration of all things. So this is a, this is a eschatological end-time word about there's seasons that the Lord visits for a time of massive restoration when Jesus Christ will return in the days ahead. Maranatha, may it, may it be so. And it is our hope as we look to that and we profess that, that it will happen. It is meant to be a hope for the saints to talk about this life will end someday as we have known it. This earth will end someday as we know it. Jesus will come back. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And those who are called to him will live eternally with him. So you look at that, but it's also a template for life that there's times of refreshing so the Lord can rebuild something in your life. And the Toronto blessing of the late, uh, mid to late 90s. I mean, it was, it was, it was meant to build something into people. Not everyone survived it, but it was meant to build something in the people. It was a time of refreshing. A lot of laughter came out. I mean, I saw thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. I ministered up there sometimes two, three times a week. I'd, I'd go in for a week and minister every night, and uh, we'd preach. There'd be, you know, uh, there would be thousands at times at conferences. There'd be hundreds at times at, in their weekly meetings. They went for, I think, over 10 years, uh, uh, five nights a week. And I preached a lot of those nights and, and you could see the presence of God and typically what would happen is people would fall on the floor because of the weight of, of heaven that would come in the room. 
and joy would come out of them. And there were critics, like, like why would someone criticize laughter? And why would someone think that laughter is somehow not God? You know, in Psalm 2, it says, he who laughs in the heavens, it was, it was God. In, in Hebrews, it talks about that Jesus was anointed, not with vinegar. He was anointed with the oil of gladness. So what do you think Jesus was like? <laughs> I mean, there was joy that came out of Jesus. And so where we're going and where God's taken us, there's the stripping off of these things that we realize there'll be times of refreshing and we love those times of refreshing, but he is also building something amazing across this planet right now. He is full aware of anything that flies across our airspace in the United States. He's full aware of what intentions might be in Russia or China or Ukraine or anywhere else in the world. God is in control. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. So is his people. We become a people that enter into times of refreshing. I'm just telling you this because this is one of those times. So what do we do? We change our language. We start to believe God. We start to believe what he's doing. We start to believe what he said. Remember in Psalm 1 that I preached on about a month ago? It said that, uh, what did it say now? It talked about the, we, we, the way we walk, the way we stand, the way we sit. And then it says uh, that if we delighted ourselves in the law of the Lord, the word of God, so if we delight ourselves, what we know is the Bible, which includes the original Torah and New Testament letters and Gospels. So we delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. If you delight yourself, which means you, it's a joy to open up the Word and begin to study the Word. When you do that, and when you meditate on it, you know what meditate means? Meditate means, really, in its strictest form, Murmuring. It's like you're reading this and you're going, but you know what it really means? If you go back to it, sometimes it's interpreted directly this way, the word that's used here, self-talk. That you're speaking to yourself. When you find something, the word of God, you really, it really hits you. Put yourself in there in that story. Joseph, Daniel, whoever it might be. Put yourself into that mode and begin to confess the word of God over your life. You believe you speak. You stir, speak it out. I talk, you know, I, my little office at my home, you know, I, I, I read the Word every morning. I open up the Word. I start reading it. I write stuff down. I confess things. I sing things. I put on music. Like there's, I, I, I'm creating a spiritual atmosphere for the day. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe you don't have enough time in the morning to do that. Get up a little bit earlier. Create a moment in the Lord, it will, it will change your entire day and it will open up opportunities all throughout the day. The power of confession, the power of speaking will open up those doors. You know, in Hebrews it says this, I love this, about faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things unseen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. For by faith we understood, I've repeated this probably two times last year, I checked, and maybe referred to it once already this year. By faith, we understand that worlds were framed by the word of God. You want to frame your world? Get in the word, begin to confess it, speak it. Get a book, good book that has confession verses that you can just speak over your life, over your marriage, over your job. I learned a lot from my kids. You know, being a parent, you learn a lot about God and his love, his enduring love. 
We bought our kids. We were living in 10 years in Canada. We bought them a rabbit. Didn't want a cat. Weren't ready for a dog. So we got the best compromise. Rabbit. Lived in a garage in a cage. We let him out. Had a little leash and everything. One day, the rabbit disappeared. Somebody, somebody left the lid open and the rabbit got out. And so he was gone. Honestly, I was happy. But you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's, wow, that's hard. Inside I'm thinking, my prayers were answered. His name was Bugs. But the two oldest ones, two younger ones were Maybe not enough old enough to really appreciate what was going on, but the two older ones, they were, they were, they were upset about it. And they, were, they were going to Christian school and they were godly little kids. And so one day, you know, the rabbit's been gone for days now. We live in Canada. I don't know how much you know about Canada, but it's kind of a wild place and pet rabbits do not survive very long. It was somebody's lunch probably the second day, you know. So, so I'm trying to help them, you know. We're on our way home from school. They had heard something at Christian school that day about believing and speaking it out, you know. And so the oldest one was the most spoken out at that time, Megan. She said, Dad, we need to pray that Bugs comes home. Now, how many of you would lay money on the idea that Bugs is going to come home in Canada? No. And so I'm, I'm thinking about it. They go, they go, I said, so I said, hey, guys, you know, these things happen. You know, and Bugs is in his own world now with Jesus. And they weren't taking it. They're like, no, Dad, no, he's still out there. We need to pray that Bugs comes home. I mean, they were being very emphatic about it. I was watching in the rearview mirror while I was driving. We need to pray that Bugs comes home. So I started praying because I'm, and I said, you pray. So I'm a pastor. I said, Lord Jesus, we thank you for Bugs' life and how he ministered to us. And the joy that we had when he was here. And they're in the back seat. Yes, yes, Lord. I said, but Lord, thank you, Lord, that he's been reunited with friends and family out there. And I'm, you know, I'm creating a scenario so they can be, you know, I'm helping those that are mourned, creating a scenario. And, and they stopped and they looked up and they said, no, Dad, no, you pray that he comes home. I'm like, okay, Lord, mean it, not mean it. <laughs> Lord, bring bugs home. Lord, we're longing for bugs. Bring him home, Lord. And I finished this really elaborate prayer, you know, and they're like, okay. And they're, you know, they're excited. I can see them in the back seat talking with one another. I mean, they believed it. They believed it. I didn't. There was no faith attached to me at all. But, but they, they got it, you know. About a week later, so we're now about 10 days out from bugs leaving. A week later, it's a late night renewal night. We, I mean, it means we're out to like 11 o'clock. I mean, these renewal nights where hundreds of people come and they're plastered, laying on the floor. Holy Spirit's moving. It's an exhausting night for a leader. You know, you're just going, oh my gosh, man, this is amazing. But wow, the people that were changed and touched. So I'm on my way home. I'm really tired. You know, it's late at night. And two of our younger kids are already asleep in the car, you know, and we used to take their sleeping bags to the service. And then the older ones are sitting back there just looking. And as we turn the corner to come around where our house is, the, a rabbit jumps in front of the lights of the car. And I, our, the rabbit had a little white spot on the back of his, on his back, which was, you know, uh, wild rabbits typically don't have that. And I looked at it and I thought, in my soul, it was like, oh no. And the kid said, Bugs, it's Bugs, Dad, it's Bugs. 
get him dad. So I pulled up. I thought there's no way I'm going to catch him. Man, the guy escaped 10 days ago. He's going to be very cautious. And so I get out of the car and I, I, I walked up to Bugs. He recognized me. Oh yeah, I know you. You're the guy that held me in that cage for a year or so. I said, I'm like, Bugs, Bugs, don't this. I get him, look at the hand, look at the hand. Don't look at the other hand. Look at this hand. I come up behind him, get up behind him. I grab him. Of course, he starts squirming all over. I bring him in the car and the kids are like, ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I mean, they're so excited. And I was like, okay. Went home, put him in the cage, locked the little door, you know, went back in the house like, oh, what was that? That was faith. That was confession. That was doing something. We could not ignore that. Let's all stand together if we could. Here's what's going to happen. We're leaving here in a minute. Thanks, Ben, for coming up here. We're leaving in a minute, but I want to challenge you right now. We're in a moment. Oh, I saw this movie Friday night, Saturday. I was so stirred. Just a reminder of what God did in the 1970s and beyond, you know, because of the Jesus movement. There is indeed another Jesus movement upon us. I don't know what it's going to be called or how it's going to manifest. It appears like it's manifesting with repentance confession, testimony. People are being stirred. They don't want to leave. I heard the story of a lady from the 1970 Asbury revival. She said she'd been there all day and all night. She said, I got to go take a shower. She said, but I didn't want to leave the presence of God. She said, I ran home. I got in the shower. I got clean real quick, got dressed and ran back over. That's what happened for a number of days, a number of weeks. And then it spread into universities all over the Midwest including Malone down here in Canton, up in Ann Arbor, all over the place. It just started sparking revival all over. That's how it works. It's how it's worked through history. That is happening right now. So I'm just warning you ahead of time. It's time to get our hearts right with the Lord. Stand before Him, pure and cleansed, righteous, and leaning in to a moment that is coming in our life, a season in our life, a time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And you're going to undergird yourself and prepare yourself with the Word of God. So right now, just let's just wait on the Lord for just a moment here. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, but you came today, you've never, you've never thought about it. Maybe, maybe you've heard people talk about it, but you never said, Jesus, I give my life fully to you. If you're here today and you've never done that, or maybe you've drifted off and you've been in a whole different life, and yeah, yeah, you, you grew up that way, but you've been far from that right now. This is a moment right now to join in to something that God is doing right now in this moment across this nation by saying yes to Jesus. What I want you to do is I want to pray for you. If that's you right now, just raise your hand around this room, all around this room. Anyone who's been away from the Lord, see your hand right there. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. All around this room, over there, yes, I see him back there. Anybody else? I'm going to pray with you right now. And then at the end, you can come up. We have a book up here in the front. We have ministry team that are coming up right now here in the front. They'll be glad to minister to you. They won't take all your time. Just they want to give you a book and pray for you. Feel free to keep attending here. Become a part as we grow together in this. Let's just thank the Lord for those three that raised their hand. We just thank the Lord for that. 
And repeat, repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. I love you. I believe you died for me. Raise me up by the power of your word through your Holy Spirit that I might walk a life for you. I give my life fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.